Hello, wrestling fans. Clint Bristol. Hey, that's me. Today I'm with Jeremiah Plunkett. Yo again, everybody. Jeremiah Plunkett and Quentin Charisma. And once again, we are smack dab along ringside and raring to go with another big week of the Territorial Wrestling Review Podcast. Quentin, how are you doing today? I'm here. <laughs> that's about it. Well, that's, that's depressing. Yeah, that's... It is what it is, as they say. <laughs> I'm here. It's better than some. <laughs> this is true. I I don't know if you see this box behind me. Yeah, I see you got a box there. So box uh, full of goodies, I'm assuming. <laughs> yeah, I, I uh ordered from one of uh one of actually our mutual friends we found out after the fact, uh old, old bad boy Phillips, Jamie Phillips. And he said not me, really me. You know more than that. I just met him. Just, I don't really know. I'm acquainted. Well, you're your old tape trader back in the day with him, though, and didn't even know it. No, I thought I you said he was on the boards. He might have been, but I didn't know it. But what I have here is over one. I probably he probably was, and I didn't know it because there was at, at one point there weren't many boards there for a while. Then later on, they you know got. I'm sure I didn't ever really know it. I'm sure. Well, if he was on back in the day, I'm sure we. I, yeah. <laughs> I, and you know, I probably even said, "Yeah," and, and I don't remember at the time. Right <laughs> Ignore me, people. He, he sent <laughs> my me wife over, does it really good, so <laughs> he sent me over a one hundred DVDs, and I want to have some stuff to watch. Uh, he packaged them kind of interestingly. That's a paper towel. Hey, did he give you? A, did he do you a Tony Myers and? <laughs> No, he used a box. Tony, oh, love old Tony Myers to death, but boy, he didn't. He's the out of everybody I've ever bought from, traded with, or anything. Tony Myers was the skimpiest person on mailing your stuff to you when it came to DVDs. And I tapes, I don't think I ever got any tapes from him. Uh, actually, videotapes. I always it was the DVDs I got from him. But he would. I don't know if I ever told anybody this. I know I probably told you. He worked at the time. He was working at. Uh, he was a manager at Pizza Hut in Memphis. He would take the expired coupons, sheets of coupons, and wrap your DVDs in about ten of them. Then tape them up. Then write on it. And that's how he mailed your your stuff. <laughs> in the first time I got, I was like, "What the?" I thought it was a big envelope. And then when I, I we cut it open, it was actually the coupon, you know, big sheets of coupons. I was like, well, that's kind of, you know, low budget. And I was like, oh, hey, I got a bunch of coupons. And I looked and they're all expired. <laughs> I was like, what a rib, yeah. <laughs> but uh, I love Tony Myers. He's a good dude. Man. In, in that in that box, uh, let's see, I know, because I can't even remember half of what, what I ordered. And he threw some stuff in. But, like, there's a 26-disc de- uh, best of Daniel Bryan. I remember you telling me about that, yeah. Uh, let's see. He threw in two full years of Memphis, everything he had from that year. Uh, no one's 80. Um, I can't stuff. remember what the – I didn't – I don't know. That's when Lawler broke his leg, and I thought they still had good – it was still good, even with Lawler not being on there, I thought. Um. Let's see. I know every clash of the champions is in there. Oh, you tell me about that. Yeah, I tell you something, man. There, you're gonna find some real hidden gems in there that that were really good that don't get talked about. You know, be like an opening or second match. It's like, 
that's you know you'll see them and you know there's nothing to them no angles or nothing but you say yeah that's a good little match there's a lot of them scattered through there that people forgot about uh let's see uh, and other stuff like there's some compilations he had and stuff like that but it ended up ended up being <laughs> being over 100 dvds so i've got wow. some i've got some hours watching ahead of me so yeah i was, I was excited about that i haven't gotten a bulk load of dvds like that since I got some of your stuff. That's uh, <laughs> 100 DVD, that's a lot. That's a lot. That's crazy. Cause I used to I used to buy, oh my gosh, when I especially in my heyday, I was probably buying every two, three weeks, I was buying four hundred blanks, a hundred blank spindles, four one hundred blank spindles of media. Well, blank DVDs. They, called media back in the day i was going through well i was burning stuff like crazy busy guy a lot of stuff. huh you're a busy guy yeah i made dude there were some weeks i made off sales and then a little bit off the gimmick table there's been uh been a, there's probably been a week i'm actually made more off that than i did my shoot job oh wow yeah. They were hustling back in the day. I was making some good money, man. Especially when the WB 24-7 came out and hardly anybody had it. Wow. Uh, yeah. Especially when the, I was making a killing off that, man, about the first year. Because the only, the only like, people had it was Comcast. And um, I think it was just Comcast is the only people that had it. Uh, there's a couple of other little smaller cable companies. Like, Comcast was like the biggest one. That had it and man i was making i tell you a uh, guy you know used to be one of my best customers um and my mind just went blank dadgummit uh he's from florida tampa uh he's one of the blondes that fuller manages um younger or older what do you mean because there's a younger blonde one and a dark-haired older one I guess he's still blonde. What was their names? Uh, Leo Bryan or Brian Brock and Michael Patrick. Michael Patrick. Okay. He's been one of my biggest customers back when 24-7 first come out. Right on. Yeah. He bought tons of that. And I want to say, was it Saul? I think he bought a lot of Saul, too. Now, yeah, I, I there was times I made good money off, um, you know, and then when basically YouTube kind of started, started happening, and then little by little, and you know, so finally it just then I got it because I wasn't making enough money to really, you know, like I was making, you know? yeah. So, in your collection, did you have Houston? You know, I don't think I had one Houston DVD. Well, we're about to watch some today. Yeah. Yes, we are. So this is actually the second match we have done from Houston then. It is. Yeah. It is. Uh, the Dick Murdoch and, uh, oh, gosh, um, Mass Superstar. Mass, yeah, Mass Superstar against DiBiase and Williams. Yeah, my, bird, which my brain, brain. Which that was 
But it was Watts was booking it at the time. It was already a Watts. It was already part of Houston. Houston was part of Watts by then. So this time it was. It's, it's just strictly uh, Paul Bosch? Yeah, this is just a straight Paul Bosch, which at this time, though, see, boy, I, I need to really go do a deep dive into Houston. Um, you know, I, just, I know a little bit of history of here and there. Of, um, you know, they it was it was a single town. Um, they had that live TV on Friday nights, it was really big. Um, but they used guys from all the all the different promotions. You know, NWA guys there, AWA guys, territory guys. Uh, like this right here, this time period, these guys were from Southwest. Well, I mean, well, Nick was from AWA, but AWA was Southwest was using AWA at that time. So basically, it's kind of considered a Southwest match. You know, so um, but yeah, Houston was one of those really. Uh, unique places. Um, I, like I said, I really need to do some more uh, research on it because it's... Oh, I do... I know nobody can see this. Somebody posted some things on Facebook. Um, I, I found... that I downloaded my phone. They were the booking payoff sheets for Houston cards. Oh, I believe I saw this too. With Dusty at top. Yeah, what, well, I think two of them. One of them was from October twenty fourth, nineteen eighty. They both had Dusty on, and the other one was October, October twenty fourth, nineteen. Are they both Dusties? Hold on. I, I saw the one that had Dusty at the top. Hold on. They both. Hold on. Something ain't right here. Uh. They've all got the same date, but they're different car. No, thank gummit, I downloaded it twice. I didn't download the <laughs> other one. Or did I? No, my dumb butt. I downloaded both the I thought I downloaded both, but I downloaded the same. There was two of them. I downloaded one same. I downloaded it twice. Um the the thing I did notice on it, I don't know if you noticed it too. See how much Gino was getting in 1980? I don't remember the prices offhand. Three hundred and fifty a night for Houston. You can't tell me that wasn't Paul Bosch's son. I mean, I could, but you're probably right. <laughs> Do what? Yeah, I said I could, but I'd probably be wrong. Okay, on this card, which there's not really any. I mean, there's a lot of guys on here. I'm looking. Uh, Dusty got fifteen hundred fifty-two plus trans. Ivan Koloff got $1,617 plus trans. Les Thornton, which at the time he would probably would have been the NWA junior, he only got $610 plus trans. Then Gino got $350. You know what that would be in today for, for a one one night payoff? Oh, gosh. It's, in the, it's over 1000 Eleven hundred seventeen dollars and seventeen cents. Yeah. So they had the midgets. They they so, both so got. What what does he make? Dusty got fifteen, uh, fifteen, uh, one thousand five hundred fifty two. That's with his trans. Oh, before his trans. Okay, two fifty. That's just okay. I'm sorry, I'm 
slow down. 1,552 was his payoff. 250 of that was his trans. So his normal payoff was $1,272. So inclu- including trans, because we're just going to guess that that went up with inflation too. For one night of work, Dusty Rhodes would have made in 2021 equivalent $4,953.86. Holy smokes. And here's the thing. Ivan Koloff made more than Dusty did that night. Because his trans, his but his payoff was the same as Dusty's, but his trans was three hundred three hundred forty five dollars. Well, he had to come from Russia. <laughs> Charlotte, Russia. Yeah, I, I don't know why Dusty's trans was so much. He's he's from Austin or Houston or wherever Dusty's announced from. From he was well, I know, but I'm saying he's so wherever so. So most likely he was coming from Tampa. Dusty was so from Tampa to Houston was cheaper than I think Koloff was in Mid Atlantic at that time, maybe. So say Charlotte to Houston. But this is really Les Thornton only got five hundred dollars, and one hundred ten of it was travel. Uh, still $1,595.96. Yeah, but then Gina, I mean, Gina was the fourth highest paid person on the card, which there ain't a lot of big names. Uh, you got the two midgets, Little Long Eagle and Butch Cassie, $150 apiece. Uh, Jose Lothario, which at that time, he's still big in, in Houston, but he was, you know, toward the end of his career, uh, got 200 and 50 of that was trans. Stan Stasiak was 250. That was trans. Don Diamond got 175. Gary Young, um, at this time, Gary Young was a really young preliminary guy. He got 150. Uh, Twin Devil, one and two, got 175 apiece. Tiger Conway Jr. got 150. Brian Blair got 175. Okay. Gary Hart got 350. So Gino had only been wrestling, but this time, what, two and a half years, maybe three, was getting the same as Gary Hart. And Gary Hart was the booker. That's crazy. Brocco Lumich, 175 for referee. And Danny McShane, another referee, uh, 150. Um, they had to send $20 to Dallas to book the midgets. <laughs> um they had to send a 10% booking fee, which come out to $1,767.87 to the Dallas office. Um, so. What was the total net on the house? The total net. Well, here's the gross. Um, was. Gross receipts was $18,225.50. Um, trying to say it's got the paid attendance. I can't, some at the very top, but that, that would be a $58,174 house. Okay, I think the paid attendance, it looked, it's kind of faded, but it looked okay. Paid attendance was 3359 and they had 33 uh, people free let in. That was the gross. Um, the net after tax, just the sales after the state tax, they paid their three percent state tax. 
their net was $17,678.73. And I said, then they, then $1,767.87 went to 10% booking fee to Dallas. So their balance uh, was $15,910.86. What the crap? Then then it says. Is there there more being taken out? Well, then at the bottom it says 80% after tax and book, $12,728. Then then it says half of that is, oh, okay, I guess that's. Um, after they got the the five, the balance of the fifteen thousand nine nine hundred ten eighty six, then they had to take out the six um, uh, six six thousand five five hundred four dollars for the talent and all that. So that let, got them down to um, that wouldn't be right. Somebody's math's off here. So it'd be 12,000. It's promoter math. Shocking. Yeah. It's, yeah. Promoter math, wrestle math, it's about on the same lines, but I think promoter math's even worse. <laughs> um, $12,728.86. Then it says half of that is $6,364.34. I guess the half is what they took after the expenses and everything and put it back into the, the company, I guess. Hmm. Okay, so but even if they put half back in the company, they profited twenty grand that night. Um, almost seventeen thousand six hundred after their taxes. Well, no, I, I'm I'm talking today. Oh, how much? So you you said the uh, the twelve thousand seven hundred twenty eight yeah eighty six, and then they put half back in the company. Yeah. Okay, so. The twelve thousand came out to forty thousand six hundred twenty nine forty seven. So ha- so take half of that twenty thousand dollars for one night. <laughs> yeah, and I'm assuming that one- I'm assuming that got split between the promoter of the town. Well, no, Bosch is a promoter of the town. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. That's why he was a one town promoter. Twenty thousand dollars. <laughs> yeah, that's why he was a one town promoter. Now Insane. the other one I do I do remember it was Dusty on it and Mill Maskers and they were making the same. I do I can't believe I downloaded the same one. I forgot. I thought I downloaded both of them, but I actually just downloaded one twice. But the other one it did have Dusty, excuse me, Dusty on top and Mill Maskers on top with the two top guys. And I remember Gino made three three fifty on that card too. I'm sorry, in nineteen eighty, Gino making that much money. He made, he's, uh, you know. Uh, I will say, if you notice, the heels make more than the baby faces. For the most part. Um, well. No, not real. Well, I don't know. Stasiak definitely was a heel. Um, he made 200. Lothario was a heel. He made 200. Don Diamond was a baby face. He made 175. Um, I don't know what Gary Young was at the time. I'm assuming a baby face, 150. Now, these twin devils, I'm sure they're heels. They made 175 apiece. Now, Tyler Conway Jr. made 150. But then Brian Blair made 175. So, I think they kind of went on the experience, I think, more than anything on this card. 
Because, I mean, at that time, nobody saw gimmicks. Yeah, that's so, true. Yeah, yeah, this was before yeah. before the so despair of you for gimmicks. So this was actually, uh, you know, gimmicks was, if you had gimmicks, it was through the promotion, so you get the gimmicks. Um, so basically, it was, um, it went on your experience and stuff and that stuff, you know. And if you're the promoter's son. <laughs> oh, man. But yeah, that, I wish I'd have downloaded that. That's just interesting to see, you know, that Houston was as was, you know, it's it, kind of like you know St. Louis was a, itself a, a you know, but it was um, that was that was just once a month though, wasn't it? Uh, St. Louis, I, I believe so. Wrestling, at yeah. The so stage, it was yeah. a little different. Yeah, so it was a little different than than Houston. Houston was Friday nights um, or every other Friday night. But they had that live TV, which was really, really, really strong in the 70s. So, um, yes, I'm going to do some that's thing on my list of many other things to look into. So it's really interesting, though, you know, how they would bring in. Um, I, I should I was going to look up, see who I was on this card, see what other promotions. And, of course, I forgot to um, actually I can probably do it while I'm. We we're talking, um, but yeah, Houston was really neat in the way it, uh, you know, way it worked. Um, but uh, and I know, and like every Houston I've seen that was a when they brought the world champion in, um, it was always two out of three falls in Houston. I know some places did two out of three falls. I know uh, the NWA matches I've seen at Portland were always. Two out of three falls. Memphis didn't do two out of three falls. Um, uh, George Chips Wrestling did two out of three falls. I don't think Mid Atlantic did. Um, I don't. I don't think Florida did. Florida. I don't think Florida did either. Um, so yeah, I guess. Um, uh, maybe it's an old school thing. I don't know. I'm trying to think. The world class, I don't know if they did two or three calls either. So I, I think St. Louis did. So St. Louis, Houston, and Portland. You're really old towns, you know? You're old, old, old promoters. And I think what they did too is that it always, I always thought, you know, when I, before I got really smart, really, really smart. Uh, I was like, why would you have two out of three falls? Your your champion is losing. Until, you know, later on I realized, yeah, your champion, it's not hurting him because he goes over in the long, you know. He's going to go over that third fall. Yeah. And your local guy just got major, major rub, you know. So I, I have the card for you. Okay. Paul I'm still trying to, my internet's like froze up. <laughs> Paul Bosch in All Houston, right. Texas from the Sam Houston Coliseum, July 2nd, 1982. Opening match was Buddy Landell versus Alexis Smirnoff. Alexis Smirnoff, very underrated. And then he makes a killer vodka. Um, Tiger. <laughs> I, I almost got a spit take. Um, yes, you did. Tiger Conway Jr. defeated Bill Ash. The Bill Mongol- Ash, another underrated worker. And made good boots. And, 
and yes, he made very good boots for many, many years. Paris, oh, Arkansas. Let's see, uh, Mongolian Stomper. Defeated, really? Defeated Frank Monte or Monte or Frank Monte. That's an old, other old name. Lone Eagle defeated Billy the Kid. Okay, I've noticed that both those two cards from '80 had the midgets on there, and it did, I think Bosch liked the midgets. Can I still say midgets? It says midget wrestling on the thing, so I'm going with it. <laughs> uh, let's see. El Gran Apollo, Ken Lucas, and Tito Santana beat Mike the Hippie Boyette, Hacksaw Jim Duggan, and Brutal Bob Sweetan. Lots well, a collection right there, ain't it? <laughs> yep. Yep. A stoner, a pedophile, and Hacksaw. googly eyes. <laughs> They, they, well, actually, they get, two stoners, actually. Yes. <laughs> they, they could replace Duggan with uh, rock and roll Buck Zumhoff. Oh, well, Boyette wasn't a pedophile. He was just a stoner. <laughs> uh, let's see. Bruiser, Bruiser Bo, Brody and uh, Killer Brooks went to a no contest. Well, that was a good brawl. Yeah. Terry Stiff. Funk beat Tully Blanchard. Wow. Bet that was really good. Um, I'm not going to give away the finish of this like we don't already know it. AWA World Heavyweight title match, Nick Bockwinkle <laughs> and, and Ricky Morton. I My money's on Ricky, baby. <laughs> and, and main event was the two-ring battle royal, and it was won, oh, really? by, won by the Mongolian Stomper. Wow. Does this say that the Mongolian Stomper, if Don Carson was his manager? It doesn't have Carson listed. Okay. Because I, I know when he was in Southwest in the early 80s, Carson was his manager. So I don't know. Because I've been about the time he had, you know, South uh, Southeastern was done. Uh, so, um, well, no, they started back. No, because he actually went back to 82 South to uh, Southeastern when it was in Alabama after they shut Knoxville down. Okay. Hmm. Not more Carson was his manager or not. That's a good card right there. Yeah, it's a pretty solid card for sure. Yeah, and so you, I'm telling you, man, that Brooks and Brody, man, you know that was a good stiff brawl right there. Oh yeah, you know it was really good. Um, that six men's kind of odd, you know. Um, not a lot of technical stuff, probably. Um, a lot of uh, just punching and kicking from the heels. Um, Bay faces selling. Um, you got the midgets of comedy. You said it was a two ring battle royal at the end. Yeah, main event. Oh, that's and, that's uh, a nice nice little card. So you're talking about looking up some Houston wrestling. Before we start this, I will recommend something to wrestle with episode on Houston wrestling. Uh, Pritchard does a pretty good deep dive on it. I listened to that. The one years and years and years ago. Yeah. 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 When he talked about the little uh the, the little wrestling figurine that was in statues was in Bosch's office. Yeah. Yeah. He thought he said he thought that's how they come up with the finish. Because <laughs> they were they were like having someone that yeah, that was good. I'll, I'll actually listen to that years ago. Yeah, so if anyone else wants to uh, get a good dose of Houston wrestling history, I, I highly recommend that podcast. Um, didn't yeah. he say that that um, I didn't mean to catch up? Didn't You're he good. say that Bro Brody carried the 
had their championship belt in a grocery sack and left it in his car, the trunk, and he found it like year, like a, like months later or something in his car. Pritchard did. I, I don't remember that story, but I haven't listened to that podcast in a while. I want to say that I think it was on that one he was talking about because he had he drove Brody around when he would come in for Bosch, and he said that Brody had just had the belt in a grocery bag. Tremendous. So, yeah, and he like that he just like he was not the you know not say Halliburton, but he wasn't even really a a duffel bag guy the way uh way Pritchard talked. <laughs> he was uh he was thrifty. We'll go with yeah thrifty. thrifty. Hey ain't no business of thrifty. Uh, you can go overboard from some of the stories I heard of some of the guys, but yeah, he said that he found it. He thought that that he just that Brody lost it, and like I must say, like months or something later, he found it in his trunk in a grocery bag, or he just threw it in a grocery bag and put it in the trunk, and <laughs> it's like, wow, you know, it's just crazy. All right, so I'm going to share my screen here. Oh, we got a match to talk about. <laughs> Get me talking about stuff that don't even make matter, you know me. Uh, and again, this match is Nick Bockwinkle versus Ricky Morton from July 2nd, 1982. Uh, the video we're watching is uprooted by Rob D. Uh, and it looks like it is from the NWA On Demand. Um, and we're going to hit play. We're at triple zeros in three, two. No, one. no, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Oh, hold on. Okay. What episode is this? <laughs> this will be episode 60. Okay, sorry. I was trying to get your attention. I was waving. I was like, hey. Well, I, I, so I'll be honest. Actually, I can't see, can't see you in the upper corner anymore. I don't know why. Hey, I can get naked now. Hey! <laughs> I thought you were already. Uh, <laughs> only if you want me to be. Hey, show up. <laughs> All right. All right, yeah, there we go. Now I, I see you now. Okay. <laughs> now I can go. see I'll if be... you're giving now I can see if you're giving me signals. Okay. <laughs> All right. Let's try this again at triple zeros. Hitting play in three, two, one, play. Is the uh, really high tech NWA on demand pro graphic? Heenan's with um, is with uh, Bockwinkle, and he's in tights, so he wrestled at some point that night. But he's I in the Battle Royal. Yep, had to be. Yeah, and he's got that uh, jacket, the matching jacket that Bockwinkle and Stevens wore. The California you know, the jacket. Yeah. Look at Ricky Morton. Wearing, wearing little trunks. Oh, half and half trunks. Actually, they're they're quarters. Quarters, it looks like yeah. Yeah. Little baby blue and black going on. Yeah. That means he's an edgy baby face. He's wearing black. There's that two rings. Oh, I just know. Wow. Yeah. 
Okay, they need to zoom in because they, if they're going to shoot from that far ring, that's going to suck. <laughs> yeah, this is a very weird camera angle. Yes, it is. Ricky just starting his mullet ears here. Yeah, no, he's, he's definitely – I think this is the hard cam angle we're stuck with. Oh. Yeah, I don't think they thought about having two rings in TV on the same night. <laughs> oh, no, there we go. We got a better There angle. we go. That's better. Leave, I hope they stay with that angle. And, boy, that's a big old ring, too. I was about to say the same thing. Gosh, it's a big 20-footer. And them ropes don't look to be the tightest, either. <laughs> well, this was 1982. Mel Mascaris is the only person they needed to tighten them for. Yeah. My home got the big top wrist lock already. Who's, uh, who's the referee? Um... I can't see. I don't know. Um, He's got some white pants on, it looks like. Huh. That's and Bosch. A, no way. That's Paul it, Bosch. I'm got, 99. He's got white pants and a belt buckle on. He's brothered out. I don't want to say that's Paul Bosch. I'm thinking that's Bosch as the referee. Yeah. I want to say that's Bosch. Looks like he from here. Yeah, that's look Paul that, Bosch. Look at, that, look at that belt buckle. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that's Paul Bosch. Got and the, the bell belt. bottoms. Yeah, the bell bottoms flowing. He got that's the referee pants from K and H. They were bell bottoms. The referee pants were. Yeah, he's he's K and H'd out with the K and H butterfly collared referee shirt and the uh, white referee pant, bell bottom pants from K and H. I want to say that's Bosch from what it looks like. He from here. Man, Ricky is so young in this. How old would Ricky be here? Oh, 82. So, uh, 22, 22, 23, maybe. Think about that. He's in the ring with the world heavyweight champion. Yes. Oh, sweet. That little uh, step over into the snapmare. Okay, 82, I mean, any. you didn't see no step up. I mean, now you see it all the time, but you didn't see any kind of step up on a, in 82, 80 or 90, 82, 92, maybe 02 if you're on certain nice go-behinds, reversals there. He was actually 21 here. He, he wouldn't be 22 wow. until September. Wow, 21 years old. Dang. But he already been wrestling for uh, four years. Like I said, he grew up in the business. So, I mean, but it's still, you know, world heavyweight title match at 21 years old is, is, is crazy. So, is, is this before or after he had that run with uh, Lucas? This is right, same time period. That's what they said. They're from Southwest. This, this. I noticed a lot of this cart. Most of, some of this, most of this crew is Southwest. I noticed. Was Tiger Conway Jr. I think was at Southwest at the time. Man, that's nice right there. It's back and forth. Just that's good stuff. See the crew. Out, you see the crew out in the audience wearing sailor hats. Uh. Lower right hand. 
it, not on this angle when the camera spins over a little bit. There's about four of them, second row. Yeah, row. yeah, sure do. Yep, yep, Sam. But Ricky's move for move hanging with the world champion. Yeah, man, Bob yeah. Angle's putting on a clinic right now, shining Ricky up big time. Oh. Ricky popped him. Buckle gave him the finger, not the bird. But uh, listen <laughs> here, kid. But yeah, this is good. It's yeah, it's just because at this, you know, Ricky it basically was a tag guy. So this is some really, really good rub for him. Buckle ties him in the ropes. Oh, big old forearm to the chest. Buckle goes. Oh, gives him the knee. He went through the ropes out and then back in. That was neat. Yeah, Ricky took a beautiful little bump for that for that knee right there. That was that was pretty neat. I want to say that refs Bosch. I could I think it might be. I thought I just saw Bosch on the outside. I, I did Bosch. too, but then that's what I thought too. I think this referee has a mustache. Okay. And he's he's rather tan. It might not be Bosch. Hmm. I don't know who it is. Do a close Everybody. up. Do a close up of his ears. We'll know then. Yeah, ain't that the truth? Side headlock by Bachwinkle. The referee is Carl Gotch. <laughs> oh, nice shoulder tackle. Oh, sweet into the headlock takeover. That was smooth. That shoulder tackle was in there. Yeah, it was. And then Ricky taking that fast bump too made it look so it made it look really, really good. I'm slowing it down now. Yeah, the work in that headlock, I just laying it. I liked it. You see how he he brought his body bridged his body up to get the leverage on the headlock. You don't see that. It's, 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 I like that. That's different. You see, notice that? Yeah, it's doing it, try to put the shoulders down. Make yeah. It a yeah, you don't see that. That was, that, was, that, was, that was something you don't see. It was neat. It was nice. Okay, coming back up. Yeah, he's, he's wrenching that headlock, really. There he goes, wrenching it, wrenching it. He shoots. Oh, did Bachwick almost fall? I think they both did. Oh, wait a man! That was a feed for a slam. Oh, there yeah, I love that. He's going. He slams Bachwinkle and that gives him the slam. I like how Ricky is not. You know, he's the way he's he's confident, but he's not. He's What's the word I'm looking for? He's selling I mean, he, his shine. Of, yeah, he's not you know. begging for chance or anything. He's just. Now they're pacing around. It's I'm still it weird down. seeing Ricky in these trunks. I know. <laughs> no bandana tied around his legs or nothing. Yeah. I, 
when the light hits, it looks like Bosch, but when farther away, it, I don't know, it's hard to tell. Mm. Telling you, if you zoom in on the ears, well, no, he had those big cauliflower ears. Yeah, he did. He had some big ones. Oh, nice shoulders. Oh, he's all the way up in that turnbuckle. Wow, that looked good. All right, Bob, he'll do a few things and it gives time, Ricky, to sell it. You know, shoot him Ricky's in. taking big bumps and sells. Oh, he's on them shoulders look so good because Ricky's up on the turnbuckle. So he can, so when he hits him, he can take his body and push it back. So it makes it look like it's even hitting him even harder with them shoulders. I never seen nobody take the, uh, bend the buckles like that, take the shoulders, you know? Usually yeah. just standing, but when him had his body in there like that, that looked good. Uh, oh, nice knee, knee lift from Morton. Yeah, nice knee lift from Morton. Get a little fired up. He's that, that's his finish on cards. That's his finish on cards where he doesn't feel like doing the drop kick or the or the Canadian. <laughs> I've lost a couple of Ricky Morton knee lifts. He's firing up on Bachwinkle. He also is a big fan of the Moog Schoolboy. Yeah. Uh oh, Dundee crossbody and he missed. Ricky went for the Dundee crossbody and missed it. Oh, we're gonna here comes a pile driver. Oh, he just pile drived him. Bob Sweet Tens in the back in the dressing room cussing right now. And that's your first fall, Bob Wiggle with the pile driver. Yeah, I, I, was gonna, I was gonna make a joke about Sweet Tan, but screw Bob Sweet Tan. Yeah. He uh that was his move, but when you're the world champion, you can take anybody's move, you know. <laughs> and when the other guy when the other guy's Bob Sweet Tan, screw him. Exactly. <laughs> so, first fall was a pile driver. 15 seconds uh, rest period. I don't think it's cauliflower ears. Yeah, I don't. I, I don't think it's Bosch. I think. I don't think it sense. is Bosch. No, I don't think it is. Look, Ricky walking around selling his neck from the pile driver. That's good. He's still selling that neck. I like that. He had to get up from it, so he couldn't, you know. But he's up, starting to fall, and he's still, still holding it the whole time. Well, and like you and I talked, that wasn't the death move everywhere that it was in, you know, Tennessee. Tennessee made yeah. a lore around that move. Well, it, it was, and I noticed people did it, but if it was, I mean, like, well, like I said, well, Sweet Tan would do it. If that was his finishing there, you know. Um, but yeah, it wasn't just a death. Yeah, like I said in Tennessee, where it don't matter if it, you got finished and laid out, but here you're just a finisher. What well, you got to think? Oh, that was sweet. Yeah, it was super slick. Even when when Lawler was a heel, it wasn't really a finish anymore. He'd get yeah. people and let them kick out of it all the time. Yeah. Lawler only cared about the pile driver when he was a baby face, yeah. and he was beating everybody with it. Oh man, that is sweet. What the. That, that reversal from a front chancery. Yeah, that is nice. He's still selling that neck like crazy. Every time Bob Wong gets him something, he's reversing out of it, but he's still holding his neck. He's still selling the neck. That's good. But everything Bob Wong, finally Bob Wong got him front face and got him to the mat finally. Because every time he had it standing, 
Morton was reversing it. And he reversed out of the hammerlock. Good. And we got a very fun. bad camera shot of just Bachwinkle's yellow butt. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now Morton's working on that arm from the hammerlock. Yeah, that was good because every time. Oh, that was nice. That was. There's a lot of stuff, nice reversals and stuff you don't see in this match. This is just wrestling, man. This is awesome. Yeah, yeah. Basically, yeah. Just good wrestling. But it's got storyline, too, because, like I said, he took the pile driver, and it's all been on this neck right here. Oh, and Ricky just sell on the back of that neck. Michael just giving big blows to the back of the neck. This is good stuff. It's a big buckle. And more aggressive than you see out of Bachman a lot of times. Yeah, this is really aggressive. But it really is. And I think this yeah, answers that's the not... question that Ricky was always a seller like that. Yeah. Because, God, he's selling so well. Yep. He's firing up a little bit. He's starting to fire back. Yeah, here he comes. He's firing back up. Firing back up. There's a lady in the front row covering her mouth because she's so worried about Ricky. That's oh. fantastic. Michael gets back on him. Just back to that neck. Just pounding and, back And to just the telling neck. the easy underdog story, too. Ricky gave him five or six shots. Bachwinkle lays yeah. out one. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe we'll go into the second. What's he going to do? Double axe handle. Oh, yep. Ricky caught him. Oh, here we go. It's going to be sunset flip. Sunset flip out of nowhere, people. Standing. And it was a running. He was a running sunset flip, too, out of nowhere. Yeah. Look at Heenan down the floor going crazy. Look at old dude giving Heenan the business. He's still selling that neck, too. Look at that. Look at Heenan. He's going nuts. Heenan's in the ring now. Well, the camera yeah. missed it, but Heenan actually ran in the ring, and then uh, Ricky chased him out, and Heenan went over the top like he's good at doing. Oh, the Heenan bump over the top? He didn't take the bump, but he just I mean, yeah, I mean, yeah, it's I meant the over the top, out, then yeah. out, then and out from the over the top, yeah. Now, Heenan's... He's going back out, starting the third fall. That was it's good, good stuff. Morton's he's he's getting his he's getting his wits about him. He's still holding the neck a little bit, but he looks like he's ready to go now. He's got that fist cocked. He's ready. Oh, he gets on Bachwinkle first. I kind of shocked on that one. He's firing up on Bachwinkle. Continue that comeback. Yep. Big slam from Morton. We got to see the heads. Oh, nice knee drop. Sure, we're going to say the head scissors. Oh, is he going for a pile driver? Oh, what do they call those stunt? What do they call that thing? I have no idea. Those, was it the stump? Not the stump puller. What was it? Yeah, the stump puller was Doink's old finish. Yeah. Now he's just, now he he's. Oh, he gave it up to you to to Bachman. What's his? Hey, I'm taking. I mean, to Heenan. and says I'm taking the belt. Ricky getting a little cocky. 
Another knee drop to the chest from Morton. He's hitting him going for pins. Buckland's kicking out. Let's see. What's he going to do here? Another big slam. Boom. Uh-oh. Morton going to the top or just a second? He's just going to second. What was that? Could you tell? I don't know if it was a knee or a punch. Yeah, I couldn't really tell which one it was. He's he's laying it to Bachwinkle now. Uh-oh. Is it figure four? Oh, figure four. Morton, have you ever seen Ricky Morton put a figure four on? Well, he's not putting one on here because he don't have that leg hooked. He don't? Yeah, he doesn't see. He doesn't have the leg trapped. Justin, what's that? It's, it's underneath. His left leg should be hooked around the foot of Bachwinkle. Okay, I see his, his feet are just. He, he, his he feet has, are just. He has he has absolutely nothing right now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, see, he just pulled on his ankle, basically. <laughs> I will pull the heck out of your big toe. Yeah. <laughs> so, you notice the referee keeps kicking. I don't know if he was grabbing. Okay, I guess he was grabbing Heenan because the ref kept kicking Bockwinkle's hand. Yeah. I thought he was grabbing the rope. I think it was Heenan. Let's see, he's going to go for it again. No, he just drops the leg on the leg. He's working on the leg. Now he's spin toe. Oh, oh he hit him or wreck his eyes? I think he dug in his eyes. Okay. There's the punch, though, and that looks amazing. Yeah, yeah that looked good. Oh, what a double knockout. Oh, nice double punch. And a double down. This is good. I wish I could see the strings. I bet Heenan's going crazy over there. He's dropping the, the knee on the leg. I think he kicked him He's in the gonna, butt, though, to start the whole thing. Yeah. Pulls him off the ropes. He's going to go for the figure four again. Yep, here he goes. And... Oh, gosh. He just yanked him by the, yanked him by the hair, didn't he? Yeah, and then he like snuck in a sucker punch. <laughs> it, it, this is, oh, nice suplex from Bachwinkle. It's like Bachwinkle is like, he's he's starting to, he's like, you can tell he's like having to really dig down to, you know, he grabbed the hair and a punch on that one, you know. So he's, now they're trading one twos here. Uh, and and everyone thinks that from the knee punch spot is a is an indie tough guy thing. Nah, they did it no. in the eighties. There, there it is right there. Bachwinkle, he's got Bachwinkle on his wheels. Here, do the head scissor. Yeah, I want to see that. Uh, oh, puts his leg over the rope. That's nice. Yeah, not enough the hamstring. Yeah. Big Bill out of the corner. Well, not. He there, did it. That was there he comes. Nope. Frankensteiner. Yeah, it was a Franken. Wow. It was. Yeah, it was a Frankensteiner. Wow. Or in Houston. I can't. I can't say what. Hey, it's another. Here go. Is he going again? Oh, he ate the turnbuckle. 
Is this the finish? Was Did it? Kick out? Yes. I guess it, no, it was the finish. That, wow, he just that, re, that just ref gave a really weird pick. signal. Huh? That ref gave a really weird signal. His signal for a pin was this. Was yeah. the safe the safe symbol. Well, how long was that match? That match was 21 minutes, 25 seconds. Oh my gosh, that flew by. Yeah. When it's good, it does. When when we're watching a really bad episode of Memphis Television that's an hour, it it feels like forever. <laughs> Alan Alan Whiskett's Keith Roberson matches. <laughs> God, if we if we would have watched that Alan, Alan West and uh what you call it, the Russian brother. Sold out Houston off. Yeah. I, even <laughs> though it was only 10 minutes, I'm sure it would have felt like a year. All right. And then that's it for the match. Uh, Ricky Morton and Nick Bockwinkle from Houston Wrestling. And that match was awesome. So after, in, after intros, so it's about 20 minutes after intros, basically. Yeah, yeah. Because they have it good. They have it pretty spliced up. Like both guys are already in the no. ring when we started. Yeah. Um, and man, that went fast. Yeah, it went no time. He, he, you know, he did the uh, Frankensteiner. I'm wondering, if he, like, you know, because I'm wondering since, you know, uh, it, that's it, that crowd, you know, Houston is, you know, they've seen a lot of Lucha Libre. So you think he might have, that's why he was doing them like that? You think maybe? Maybe he may have picked it up from there. Uh, no. I don't want. I can't. I can't tell you what he calls it when he calls it in the ring. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, you tell me off there. Yeah, it's <laughs> it, it's pretty funny. It gets me every time. Um, but I like how they set up for it. He hit him with it once. Gave him another bill. He went to run and hit it again. Buckle hit. He hit the ropes. Boom. That was good. Yeah, and it I was like set up for it. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. It just made sense, and it, it was just one too many times to the well, so it did nothing to yeah, say nothing to and, it, and if you think about it, that entire third fall was all Ricky. Pretty much, yeah. It was. It, That's it was good. All, it was just an extended comeback into the finish. Yeah. It made Ricky yeah. look like a million yeah. bucks, and then he didn't get beat because Bachwinkle beat him. He got beat because Bachwinkle outsmarted him one time, and it led to his throat getting hit on the top rope. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, th I thought it was super duper good. I thought this was an a, excellent a, pick. It, it really was. Um, yeah, the finishes, um, pile driver, it didn't hurt Morton because it's a pile driver, you know, it's a big, you know, people still got pinned with it. Um, so that didn't hurt him doing the job on that. Um, he slid over in the second fall, which we know that was going to happen. Um, and then the third fall, you know, it was a finish. It didn't hurt him, you know. So, and this is what your champion, this is what they did, you know. They come in, bumped your house, elevated your local guy, your your, your local guy, your your territory guy, local territory guy, got him some shine, you know, shined him up, you know, gave him some uh, rub. Uh, so all this match this did was elevate Morton even more. Yeah, no, I agreed 100%. It was, and, done, and it was done masterfully. Everything was simple, but it was where it needed to be and was done right. And, you know, it 
I mean, really, I mean, the biggest move so that pile driver was the body slams. Yeah. You know, it, it was all simple, basic wrestling um, of when to do it, how to do it, and how to sell it. It was all, you know, simple, easy. They got 20 minutes, three falls, 20 minutes, and had to, it's what it's supposed to be, you know. And it's kind of like nowadays, uh, you still have it nowadays where, especially in the southern Indies, you bring in a name to work your top guy, and the promoters always want to put the incoming star over. Um I hate that because you you bring them in to get the rub on your local guy. So back, but on this, that's why you get the two out of three falls. You can, your actual guy can get a fall on the champion. So it, you know, I like it. Just that I, you know, two out three falls is really good. I think you know, um, unless you're, you know. So I'm thinking that's, I think that why they, the the towns that didn't have. Two or three falls, they always did a did that sixty minute Broadway. Yeah. So I said, well, he went sixty minute. Chim couldn't beat him, but I, I actually I like the two or three falls because your guy actually gets a fall on the champion. I think it helps better than the sixty minute Broadway. What do you I'm think? Sure, I'm sure the champions appreciated a twenty minute two out of three falls more than a sixty minute Broadway too. Exactly. You don't think Harley or Flair? Would have loved to have had a two out of three falls against Rufus. A hundred times out of a hundred times. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that, like I said, be like, it, Luke, Rufus, hit me with the headbutt, pin me. Yep. Yep. Um, you know, uh, Harley misses the, the headbutt off the top, feet up. Rufus hits him, headbutts, pins him. You know? Um, but yeah, I, I, I think it's, I think it was better. Do a two or three falls and let your guy get a, a fall, then your guy going th- uh, 60 minute with him. Yeah. Because you say, I, you know, you can, when my champion's gone next, you know, that next week, here's our guy, you know, you know, he got a fall, he got a fall, you know, pin the world champion. You know, you can build on that, man. With this, you, you can build two on 60 minute Broadway, but when you say you have a pinning, you actually pin the champion, you know. I, in the fans' eyes, I think that means more. That, you know? I agree. I agree. So I, I think that's why I think, like I said, those old old territory, old school promoters that were still in that, you know, would do that two or three falls because, you know, they knew, you know, that it, like I said, because I know Portland did it. Um Pretty much every time I saw the world champion, I seen like like Flair. I think he did a two or three falls with Brett Sawyer up there, and uh, which he was over big time up there. He was um, he wasn't Brett Sawyer. He was Hack Sawyer. Is what his name? He was over like crazy up there in Portland. I want to say eighty three ish maybe. But um, yeah, I like the two out of three falls. It, it, I like I said, I used to didn't back before I really got smart to what it was really for, you know. And uh, 
But yeah, this match was good. Good re- had wrestling. Those um, that second fall when he kept getting Morton in that front face lock, and he kept reversing out of it. Man, that was good stuff. Yeah, and it showed. Yeah. I think it showed off uh, something Ricky's not necessarily known for, which is his mat and chain wrestling. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, but because like Rick, Ricky's not known for that. He's being known as being one of the early high flyers and you know the best seller, best baby face yeah, on the planet. Yeah, and the high flying stuff. Yeah, it was really good. Yeah, but you think about it, you, it was you didn't you don't see that seven nowadays reversing out like it was just really. But he would reverse that and then go back to selling that neck. It was just yeah. Like I said, everything was good, simple. This was so simple of a match, but you could tell these were, you know, you know Bachwinkle, one of the best ever, you know, and Ricky. Turned out to be one of the best baby faces ever. Um, I mean, like I said, he was, you say, 21? Yeah. Oh, my gosh, you know? He'd been working since, what, summer of 78, actually working in the ring. So, what was the, this was what, what was the actual date on this? September, oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, July 2nd, 82. So, 82, so 78, 79, 81. So, basically four years. And he looked like a seasoned vet in there. Yeah, he did. Yeah, and just, um, just I don't. Is it like I said? It's so simple the stuff they did, but everything, um, everything was good. And I noticed Bachwinkle planted around the waist, lower lower belly on yeah. the slams. Yeah, because they did that high slam. Yeah, I noticed that. Ever since you said something about that. I'm noticing it a lot now, so because I mean on them, on them big slams are are posting up, yeah. Oh, but you know we weren't always taught the leg, you know. Yeah, I guess because we wasn't taking on big, you know. Um, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, visual, big yeah. visual, you know. Um, well, and I, I talked to uh, I talked to Tyson Dukes about that. And, you know, he was talking about that everyone teaches the leg because it's a it's a post that is less likely for you to slip off of. And yeah. it's a really good beginner post. Yeah. So that that makes sense. Yeah. And the slams are not big. We The slams we do are not, you know, are not that big, overdramatic, just what, you know, Sam, too. Yeah. So you but, post but it I almost there, think they should be because they look so much better. What's that? I think they should be because they look so much. Oh better. yeah, because man, they look like it, yeah. In rings nowadays, it's not going to hurt you. Yeah, light years beyond these rings. Yeah, and like you know, like last week, you know, the ones with um, actual the last three weeks of Baba, I mean Baba, <laughs> Jumbo and Masawa, and then Jumbo and um, Harley. Harley. Although, and those rings in Japan were just, un, they were like decks, you know. They were taking those big ones, and and, and this was a 20-footer. I'm sure it was snug. Um, so, if, they, if those guys were taking them, them stiff rings, nowadays, it, the way the rings are, 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 you know, are really good, uh, it, you know, it would be, it would, it looked really good because you'd probably get a good, bounce off from it too and you could sell it really good yeah you know? yeah yeah you go you start teaching that in your in your class 
I, I did start after I learned it. <laughs> That's good. Yeah, because it, it, and it looked, you take a simple slam with that big arching over, it makes it a really big move out of something really simple that you just kind of easily just turn and flip, flip them over, you know? Yeah. No, absolutely. So, I mean, yeah. Get more out, get more out of less, you know? Like that's how this, that was a, I think if you saw this matchup, you got more out of less. Yeah. And it was really good, but the less, it was less, but it, all the little things down, they did with the less made it more. Yeah. It just all goes down that we've been saying all this simple stuff that, you know, they knew, they knew how to work and they made it, it meant so much by doing just the ordinary stuff. They all these matches to watch that, you know? Yeah. Because well, they, they were workers. They, they knew how to, you know, I mean, if you it's think, amazing. If you think of wrestling matches as paragraphs and wrestling moves as words in the paragraph, you know, the wrestlers back in the 70s and 80s used very few words but still told a beautiful story. Yeah. Whereas sometimes, and I'm not going to say all the time because there's some guys who do it great, but sometimes now it's like they're more worried about their how much vocabulary they get into this story rather than what it means. But it's been, I mean, we've had 15 years of that now. Yeah. So it, it's the it's, norm. It's the norm now. So, it, 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 you know, you can't blame the guys nowadays. No, not at all. No, I mean it's that's the only way it is. You well, know, you, but you when you brought, watch this stuff, you had brought up you had brought up the coaching, right? They they just got through a main event level, uh, you know, twenty minute match, and every single move that was done in there is something that I covered to a degree in a beginner class. Yeah, because all plus, like I said, yeah. plus tons of stuff. You know what I mean? To, to be a wrestling back in that day, you had to know how to take 20 moves and then anything else you kind of walk through, you know, like talked yeah. about beforehand, not even walk through, talked about beforehand and with. I mean, that's my whole thing. I, I always go back to, I still say there's a difference between a wrestler and a worker. Agree yeah. 100%. You can be both. Yeah, oh, and it's good to be both. Nowadays, you yeah. got to be both. Yeah. So back then, you wanted you wanted to be a worker more than a wrestler. Yeah, it, you you can be both, but one or the. Hey, I guess you can be one or the other too. But it's like not every wrestler is a worker, not every worker is a wrestler. No. Like, you know, you got you got your your Jimmy Valiants. Um, you're to a lesser degree, Michael Hayes's guys. See, that, that to me is work. That's what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the. It's word. a style, you know. Uh, it's a style, you know. Um, would you want to see Jimmy Valiant? Even you know, you think about it. In the early '80s, when he turned to Boogie Woogie from Handsome, he wasn't really that old. You know. Yeah. No, he wasn't. But he realized. That was a gimmick, you know, and 
you know, he could probably still do a, a handsome match where he did more stuff and more wrestling. But why? You know? Yeah, he can he throw, did what he did. He can throw you, five punches, dance, and drop an elbow and elbow. Be done. Yeah. Yeah. You know. It, it, it's that whole worker thing. But but yeah, on the flip nowadays, side, on the flip side, that does get you stuck wrestling Paul Jones' army for 37 years. But here's the thing. You can only but what's wrong with that? I mean, if you're making decent money doing it, nothing. As I'm saying, he didn't had his glory days of WWF tag team champions, WWA for Bruiser tag team champ. You know what I'm saying? He's done had his runs of so why not? Yeah. I mean it added years to his career. He's still going out being boogie. Exactly. So, I mean, so, it, you know, um, it's, it's you know, uh, but like I said, nowadays, though, guys can't, even if you have a gimmick, you still got to, I don't know. It's if it's wrestling changes every, you know, generation or whatever, and it's eventually going to have to change again from where they're at now. Yeah. I think it's, it's I think it's not to go backwards. I think, I think it's three went. And it's went. I don't think there's what else could they do now. So it's going to have to start coming back a little bit towards the more of a worker, you know, less, you know. And here's my thing I think it can work on the indies, really, because everybody's smart. And if they do, and if they, so everybody's smart to it. They don't have to do all that stuff. And if they work it, I think the crowd will still like it, even though it ain't 50 spots, because they're what they do, they'll put emphasis on that. The crowd will, you know, it won't go back to like this match, but it will start coming. You know, Sam, yeah, it will have to come back because they can't go any further. There's nothing I, I can see them going to another, you know, going even further. Is there? I mean. I, I can't think of anything because not, not only that physically, the physical limitations of the human body. Yeah. Right. Like you can watch, you know, if, if you watch AEW and then you watch like PWG matches, like the PWG matches seem wilder. But that's once a month at most. Yeah. You can't do that on a regular basis. Your body can't handle that. Well, that's yeah, like, you know, you think about like this right here, this match. Okay. The, like, you know, this is Houston as a single ter a territory town, but if it was in like, you know, Florida, Mid Atlantic, uh, or any other territories, they would work this match around the loop. Yeah. Well, Rick, Ricky's got to go back to San Antonio and work somebody else tomorrow. Yeah, but I'm just yeah. saying, if it was Nick will probably you know, be on the plane. But. Yeah, but I'm just saying though, if this was a territory and they brought their champion in, they would have did this match around their loop. Whatever mm -hmm. their loop was, so every night, you, you know, this style of doing now, they're doing it once a week. They they couldn't do it. There's no way they could do it a week. Uh, this style in a territory, a week, a uh, weekly, you know, at least a five night territory. They die. Huh. Yeah, there's no way. Yeah. So, um, so you know, 
know, it, it, it's going, it's, wrestling's always going to, they say wrestling will, will eventually die. I don't think it will. It won't die. It's been around in some shape or form forever. Um, but it will start changing. Some form it's going to start changing. I say within the next 10 years. And I think, oh, wait, it won't have to come back, you know. Because I'm I, telling I think you, it will have like, to, too. And if you notice this, more so than ever, the people who can talk really well are standing out. Yes. Kingston. Yeah. Eli Drake. Even though whatever about his new name. But Eli, you know, Eli Drake. What is his name? What's his new name? L.A. Knight. Oh, that's horrible. It reminds me. That's, uh, that's got Bruce Pritchard written all over it. Me, me and some friends early were talking 90s. about it. It, it. it sounds like early night, a mixture of two early 90s shoes, British Knights and L.A. Gears. What was the jail from the early night? L.A. Looks. Early jail. 90s. You were using that in the 2000s. I know, but it got it was popular in the early nineties when you had to, you know, I was getting it when it, it went from the, you know, the big stores to the Dollar Tree, you know. <laughs> uh, but you know, uh, you know I, always, I always remember that before the match. Take out your big bottle of L.A. Looks, get your hair good and spiky. <laughs> oh, what was there was a an indie guy in the early night L.A. Gore? Wasn't there a guy named L.A. Gore because everybody kept calling him L.A. Gear? I was there was a guy L.A. Gore or something at one time in the Independence in the early nineties. Um, I didn't know nah, independent was, wrestling existed in the early nineties. There was a lot of good. Uh, yeah, dude, I did not. I did not. I think night was when was that? Uh, that Burger King shoot was a Burger, a Burger King shooting or it was a shooting of some sort that you guys actually in Smyrna did. A oh, was that uh, uh, Captain D's in Smyrna? Captain D's. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So that was my first independent show. So whenever that, that was, was late 90s, I assume. No, that was 2000s. Okay. So that yeah, was my first independent show. And I go, what is this? My parents were going maybe? to the, my parents were going to the auction down the road. And I, walked like and I walked over. It was like it was an outdoor show. Yep. Yeah, at Grand Slam. Yeah, that was uh, 2000. So, yeah, I didn't sure know was. independent wrestling existed. I, I saw Memphis TV, but that wasn't independent wrestling to me, right? Wow. Like, it's yeah. like it's on TV. That's not independent wrestling. And I walk up to y'all's thing, and no offense, I'm like, I don't know any of these people. <laughs> Um, but there, there's a fat guy who did a drop kick, and there's a big, there's some, some crazy looking guy hitting people in the head with stop signs. This is wild. <laughs> um, and they're three feet from me. <laughs> oh, man. that's crazy. You were there. Wow. Yep. Huh. You're probably getting heat on me, wasn't you? You're probably yelling at me, wasn't you? I was. I was yelling all. I'll tell you exactly. I don't know what I was saying. I know I was yelling <laughs> crap at you. And then you did the drop kick, and I stopped. It was either drop kick or the Enzy. is one of the two. But I go, whoa. At the time, I think I was just drop kicking. Then I don't think I'd switched the Enzy gear yet. Yeah, but you, you threw the drop kick, and I was like, oh crap, whoa. This fat guy got off his feet. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was you, Dieter, and Monty. I was giving Monty a lot of crap too. 
Yeah. Dieter, Dieter, I just didn't get. I'm like, why is this guy wearing jean shorts? Yeah, he didn't. Yeah. It, it, I never understood it, but I was like, whatever. <laughs> you know, I didn't understand the jean shorts, either, but he wasn't going to buy no gear. <laughs> so we'll just go with whatever. <laughs> Trust me, he ain't worse than half these guys that <laughs> were on the carts. I was like, yeah, you know, <laughs> I'll yeah. go with it. But yeah, I mean, that's the thing. I didn't know independent wrestling existed. Yeah, yeah, in the early 90s, um, you know, growing up, you know, you had your local around here when I was growing up. In the 70s, I, I was a little too young to really remember. 80s, I uh, remember Master Curtis. Uh, his, uh, sir, sir, he did not go to school for all those years just to be Master Curtis. He is sorry. Dr. Master Dr. Curtis. Dr. Master I'm sorry. <laughs> um uh yeah dr master curtis he had his promotion and then nick and george started back up and started running um so we had those you know independents um and this is like the early 90s you would get like um not very rare in sports Illustrated, but i mean crossing uh, Illustrated, but them other after mags was it like was it sports review and inside wrestling was that the other two after mags I know for sure was, inside wrestling was. Yeah, it was like, you know, there's three of them, but Illustrated was the big one. You'd get a lot of stuff from up north, Independence. You'd see stuff, and it was like, wow, you know. And um, and then you would, you'd see these names, and then you'd turn on to, like, WBF Challenge or whatever. you like, Barry, hey, that's the guy's name. I saw him, Barry Hardy, you know. Dwayne Gill, you know, you'd start seeing the guys you'd see in the, um, cause they start putting like res, uh, results and, and they'd actually start putting rankings for some of the independents and stuff in there. And you start seeing them on, you know, doing jobs on TV up, you know, and they do the tapings up North and you're like, Hey, you know, so you start seeing these independent stuff, you know, and then you get into the tapes and you start seeing that, Hey, there's an independent, you know, you start. So, you know, in early 90s, it really, you got to see, you know, but there was already, there always had been there. But, you, you know, just like, well, you know, technology, can't, you know, starts, you, you know more, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's like, you know, but it, there's always been independence everywhere, you know? It just, um, they're just, uh, tell you the a magazine that was really good. Uh, I always cannot pronounce his name right. Norm Keitzer, whatever yeah. his name is. Norm Keitzer. That magazine he put out. Um, he his whole he had independence galore in it. Um, and that's where you know, uh, you'd see that was like the first time you really saw any kind of you know publicity for. Independence, you know, because he would put out stuff from all over, you know, all over the country, you know, of, and you know, uh, just different independents, you know, every state would would um, he'd have you know just something on there. So, it, but he didn't get to to early nineties till mainstream, you know, till uh, after Max started putting the independents in there, and then when the internet hit mid nineties, you know, you that's when it, you realize, man, there's independence all over the country, you know? Yeah. But it's there's always been independence 
which, you know, before that they were considered, they were outlaws, you know, you know, so, um, but there's always been, you know, independent slash outlaws. It's just, and I, and I, I'm more drawn to those, um, than I am. I, I, I think more than the, um, wherever the territory, you know, on most of the stuff, uh, it's like, there's some, was doing some research, uh, came across, I want to say from like 81-ish to 82, Lexington, Lexington, Kentucky slash Georgetown, which Georgetown's is a suburb of Lexington, basically, you know, that area had three promotions running that area one time in 82, 81, 82. You had Poffo's, well, you had the Jarrett's, uh, Jarrett, you had the Poffo's, and you had um, Delman slash um, uh, Danny Fargo. So it, it's just crazy. And I, you know, I didn't know all I didn't know that until I started doing research a few months back. I was like, gosh, they had three shows in that one little area. I mean, yeah. in 81, 82, that was, you know, Lexington probably had was a total maybe what hundred thousand, not counting the college you know kids. And Georgetown, like I said, is a suburb. So I mean, what probably a two hundred fifty thousand people radius. You had three shows a week from three different promotions. That's crazy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, it, it, you know, so there was there's been independence forever. You know, and just as you know, I like I, I'm. Um, and I stumble across just oddball stuff um, of people putting ads in papers. For, you know, like I found some weird ones in East Tennessee. These people, <laughs> they advertised their wrestling show. It was like the late 70s. Instead of buying an ad, they put it in the classified ad. <laughs> I was like, I guess so that's it was probably it. cheaper. Yeah, I would say, yeah, it was. But I was like, well, they were on a budget, one, <laughs> but it's just, it's just, you know, it's, and it's really neat to look back at, at some of these, you know, stumble across these these independents from the seventies and eighties, you know. You know what I always find fun when I look through old independent cards is who the guys were that were on the circuit at that time, like not the lower card guys who were just like trying to get a break. Yeah, but but like the established name who would always come in, right? Because yeah. you know sometimes it'd be a like legit main event guy, and then sometimes it'd be Tom Brandy doing the Patriot. Yeah, good God, what a run he had in the you know mid to late nineties doing the Patriot in the yeah. Northeast. Yeah, how, yeah. How, how many pictures of Dell Wilkes did, did Tom Brandy sell? Oh my gosh, can you imagine? Oh my gosh! Yeah, he got. I mean, he was doing it all the way up. I remember seeing it stuff. Two thousands, he was still booking, getting bookings as that. Yeah, you know, right. using that up at north. How, up many, north. How, many, how many pictures of Matt Bourne did Ray Apollo sell in the Indies? Oh, and and all the other hundred doinks that were, that bought suits. Yeah, you know, had suits made, and, and you know, yeah, at, at mean, least Ray did it for the company that owned the trademark. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, true. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> but still, I mean, you think about how many doinks was out there. And, and you know, and, and then when they did the 
gimmick with the midgets. Yeah. I mean, man, that was that was good for I mean, that was good for the for the those guys because they got, you know, like um little farmer John, he become he became, he was one of the he was one of the the dinks or whatever, and then you know, he got so much more run and probably even more money after that after he did that, you know, that one match up there, you know. It, it, yeah, he got look at how many mileage in the gimmick sales out of that. Yeah, I I heard horror stories about dink, the actual dink. The first one, the first, because then they bring in like the Spire Series. What was there four? Yeah, but they brought, was but they all had different names like Stink something. something yeah, yeah, but, yeah, yeah. But the, was, actual, the first, actual actual yeah. dink. Yeah, the first one. Yeah, somebody booked on a show like kind of recently. And I really? heard some just horror stories about him. No, he's gotta be old by now. Oh, I'm sure. Who? Who was the original one? Uh, one Tiger Jackson was it? I think it was. Is he still alive? I I don't know. But this he was on, his, he was on, He's got to be in his sixties. He was on an indie show uh, not that long ago. Uh, Oh, this one that is showing his name is Claude Giroux. But it said he was uh, Dink between 93 and 95. Hmm. I, I like that we're looking up Dink now, by the way. Well, we just get off, don't we? Oh, <laughs> oh you know what? Uh, he, uh, la, la, la. Yep, that is Tiger Jackson. Okay. And then his brother, did you know this, was Little Beaver. Really? Yeah. Wow. They're Canadian, I think, French Canadian. Yep. Well. Yeah. And he's sixty-four. I knew he had to be sixties. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, but um, Roger, little Farmer John, he got some good. He got good run out of that thing. Because you think of the gimmicks he's, you know, they sold, he sold and stuff. He's a good dude, man. Roger's a good dude. Is I Little Farmer like John the little person that suplexed uh, Cornette? I don't know. God, I can't remember which one. Is, is he a bigger little person? Like, No. Okay. I, I, there's a match somewhere of Cornette wrestling a little it's person. Pro- is it the Karate Kid? It may have been. but like, He was actually pretty big. Yeah, he, su- he suplexed Cornette, and it was like, whoa. <laughs> Well, he was in Memphis in '88 and was and suplexed Bruno and slamming Bruno all over the place. And he was actually pretty. He had a he was a pretty decent size. He was actually kind of tall too. Yeah, it might have been him. Well, you know what? Hmm. I'm, I'm I'm scrapping the match. I want to watch next week. We're going to going to watch just Dinks wrestle each other. <laughs> I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna find the best little person wrestling I can find. Nah. You know, okay, I know 
you know, now, did, when you was a kid, did you like the midgets? Trying to think the first time I saw them. Like in a wrestling circumstance. Um, so I can, I can only speak to seeing them live one time. Um, it was 2000... Four-ish or five? No, see, that I'm was like five. TV. I'm talking about TV. I never saw saw him wrestle, right? Because okay, uh, so you know, I, I really started watching. Because you didn't watch, because like you didn't watch, because yeah, like eight, because you don't, you're young. I keep forgetting you don't see eighties WF TV when they'd be on there. So I, I yeah, keep no, that. like I, I I would see him when they would like come out in a Bret Hart mask and DX would make fun of them. Yeah, okay. You I know, keep forgetting stuff yeah, so, like yeah. that. Um, but I saw oh, when live, I was a kid, I loved them when I was a kid. <laughs> uh, so I saw live at the fairgrounds, uh, and I just started training, just started. Um, short sleeve Samson, um, who's awesome, and uh, Tommy Stone, who I never saw again. But short sleeve Samson's done like a lot of WWE work, um, and they had like a pretty killer match. Then I remember the Polaroid floating in one of these boxes at the house. Of me on short sleeve Samson's shoulders, and he's standing up holding me. Bang! It was his idea. Huh. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, they, they is you know they you know that you know the midgets they would get a lot of work because they they were like Andre, they were an attraction, you know. Yeah. And uh, so that's what you wonder how that one up there in, in Pigeon Forge does, you know, because it's a, but that's a tourist thing. So that's probably does pretty good. It, it does do pretty well. Um, I, I know one of the guys who worked, well, he worked for them at one point. I don't know if he still does, but he was an over the road trucker and quit it to do that. So I think it probably does because that's money. a tourist. Yeah. I guess because that's a tourist thing, so it can be there everywhere. It's but yeah, but, but they were like Andre. They were a special attraction, you know. Yeah. So they were, you know, you, you know. Um, that's like when I, you know, in the nineties, you know, you would work maybe one, you maybe work once, twice a year on a show with them, you know, with the with the with um, the midgets, you know, because yeah. they were. Because they, you know, they, they were always different places. Because they were an attraction. Um, you'd see a lot of, you know, Danny and, and Roger were the two uh, ones around, you know, Kentucky, Tennessee area that you would run into about once, twice a year. You know, um, before that, it was um, a guy named was it Lone Eagle? I think he was the one, and then. Uh, I think he's, and then basically Danny and Roger, a little road warrior, Midget D, and Farmer John. That were the ones, like I said, they were the ones that you'd seen a lot. Uh, from mid-90s on, it seemed like you, that's the ones that we'd see everywhere. Chris Michaels yeah. told me the best little road warrior story. What <laughs> about Danny? <laughs> yeah, he said, uh, well, he told me a couple, but the one I can tell on here is he, had, <laughs> he, he he had your trainer, Chris Champion, oh do, my his, gosh. do his makeup for him one night, do his face paint. 
Oh, this is where he drew the penis on him? No, no. <laughs> I'm surprised it's not. Um, but Chris did it. You know, I guess Chris was somewhat artistic at one point. So Danny just assumed it looked good. Yeah. And went up to Dale Mann showing it off. And it just said town killer right across the forehead. <laughs> oh, my gosh. That's hilarious. Did I ever tell you my story about my Danny uh, mm -hmm. thing? No. Do you want to hear it? Do we got time? We got time. Okay. So this was 93, spring of 93. Uh, me and Marcus Woody, he'd come and pick me up, and we would go on Saturdays and go to Lewisburg Saturday nights. Um, he said, hey, uh, Chris called say he needed a ride. And uh, so he said, okay, we'll go by. He said, but uh, we'd always – me and Marsh, we'd always do a little something, you know, go, we'd go like flea market, baseball cars. We'd always do a little something before we'd go. So he'd come down early and pick me up. So we went up down to Chris's apartment down off Marshall Road in Nashville. So we pull up. Here comes Chris. Here comes Danny and Roger. I'm like, oh, Lord. And Marcus had a little four Festiva at the time. And um, so I'm sitting up front. Chris is in the back with Roger and Danny. Marcus is driving. We're, you know, we're um. So we're going down the interstate, and I I was so tired, um, because I didn't worked. I worked Thursday night. Did I work Thursday night, Shelbyville? I, I just looked up a picture of a Ford Festiva. It was the really that's, small car. That's a tiny car. It's listed as a subcompact car. Yeah. Yeah, so come back. Yeah, we had them at Avis when I worked at Avis at one point. Yeah, you know, got like 60 miles to the gallon, you know, great, you know, great car. And, and it was funny because the car that they took over, they phased out the Festiva and, and brought in was the Ford Aspire, which I, I bought the next year. He had, he had like the 93 Festiva, I had the 94 Ford Aspire. <laughs> but I know it's way off subject, but excuse me so i was really tired of trying we had training that week did shelbyville thursday night uh didn't do no work friday so i and Sarah, so i was tired so I, and i hardly ever slept in a car i i, I don't sleep in cars I'm, I'm terrified of falling asleep in a car and haven't been in a car wreck <laughs> i don't know anyway so i fell asleep and i felt something on my deck and i was like Okay, Danny's been, you know, doing something stupid. So, you know, I just, I was tired. I didn't want to mess, you know, so, so I just, I just, I slept a little bit. So then we get to the, to the building. I'm like, what the crap? My necklace is gone. And it wasn't. It, the necklace, this is what the necklace was. It was fishing line with these little red and white bead, little plastic beads on them. So, I mean, it was like a buck to make. Uh, my brother made it. But it was a cool little necklace. Anyway, well, here's the thing. <laughs> we, um, I'm trying to think. Actually, it, it, was, it wasn't Lewisburg that night. 
It was actually, it was, it was Fayetteville. It was actually Fayetteville. So we go down, we go to Fayetteville. Oh, we stopped. We had, we stopped in Lewisburg because Chris was running both shows, was booking both shows. So he stopped to give um, the, um, the, I want to say the fish to the first couple of matches because we were, I think we were on first in Fayetteville and then we was coming to Lewisburg. So we stopped in Lewisburg for a little bit. And that's what I told you. I said, where's my necklace at? He's like, I ain't got your necklace. And I was like, where's my necklace at, dude? I said, I ain't, I don't show my, Chris, Chris, Danny, give me his necklace back. I ain't got his, I ain't got his necklace. And, uh, I know I do a horrible Danny, but anyway, uh, that's every impression I've ever heard of him. So, <laughs> so, so I was like, okay. So we, so we get back in the car. We go to Fayetteville, which is like twenty minutes down the road. And it's me and Danny against Chris and Roger. And we get the dress room. I said, "Where's my necklace?" He's like, "Oh, I, I gave it to a whack in 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 Lewisburg. I gave it to a whack." I'll get it back when we go back to Lewisburg. I was like, all right. I was like, I never see my necklace again. So the finish was I splash I go to splash Roger, he moves, and I splash Danny. All right, I can get my necklace back. Well, guess what? I'm splatting you, buddy. <laughs> so we go on the finish. I go and he moves, I splash Danny. He's like, oh, and we go to the back, you know, me and Marcus is carrying him back. He's like, you stiff me. You stiff me. You stiff me. I said, well, you'll never take my, anything from me ever again, will you? No, I don't. I didn't take your necklace and you stiff me. And he would need to say he was, he was, and like, you, you stiff me. You stiff me. Yeah. But he, he was, he was something else, boy. Did you get your necklace back? Uh, no. That's okay. He. I squished him, dude. I <laughs> I hit him. It was no hands, no knees. He got I just. I was gonna say me on midget, but that wasn't so right. <laughs> so, sounds like your internet search history. Oh, that's funny. But yeah, I mean he's he's one of those characters that they're. That the indies were full of when I got when I was first starting the business that they're it's not there no more because it's changed and you know terms that were used forever you can't even use anymore in wrestling and you know but you well, know I slip into carny sometimes still and the people stare at me you know but it, well, even when I started there wasn't a lot of carny used. You know, and um, I can barely understand people talking normal. I is Carney was hard for me to, to. I could speak it, but listening to it, I had to really because some people would speak it so fast, you're like, huh? You know, and then you had you know your Tennessee Carney. <laughs> it was slow, like redneck Carney. I call it redneck Carney, where slow drug out. You can I can understand that one. <laughs> But yeah, it, it, wrestling's changed a lot, you know, good and the bad, you know. So, 
But I think you would have had fun back in when I probably first probably would have died. In. How would you have died? Nah, I just figured I would have figured the boys were a little wilder. Oh, yeah, but none of them died. <laughs> so how would you have died? Well, I'm hey. talking about Indy, the Indies around here. Yeah, I am too. Who's died then? Chris. Oh, good gosh. You, you going to be shooting up heroin? I don't know. I wasn't in the Indies at that time. <laughs> I'm just saying, though, I mean, you know. Uh, it was more beer drinking and pot smoking than it was. Oh, I'd have fit in just fine. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it was, you know, and you had your occasional pills here and there. Very rare you saw people doing coke. There's no, you know, nobody's making no money for Yeah, there's no yeah. money for that stuff. You know, and on time you got pills, if somebody went, you know, went to the doctor, got some pills, and say, hey, man, I'm, I'm hurting. You got anything? You, you know, might find somebody that had some, you know, Vicodin or something, you know. Um, I, I never saw anybody matter in a locker room when, when Tommy Rich, I think as a joke, said, has anybody got any pills and someone, some pain pills and someone handed them ibuprofen? Are you talking about, are you talking about the, um, the Lebanon incident? No, no, no. This was at a show where I worked with Tommy, actually. But he said, "Oh, anybody in here got any pain pills? Someone handed him ibuprofen. He goes, God, this business has changed. (laughs) Well, the week before I started with Burt Prentice in 97, they ran. And I I, I missed it by a week. But it was still everybody was making jokes about the next week in the locker room in Lebanon, Tennessee, was – he had Rich, Buddy Landale, Doug Gilbert. <laughs> Buddy said, hey, anybody got any pills? And Buddy's like, I got a rat out here. He's going to get me some pills. So I don't know if Buddy was ribbon, but he handed Tom. He goes, Buddy, this ain't nothing but effing Tylenol. And it was like, I was like, you know, it's like they joked about that for like months. And I was like, I just missed it by a week, you know. <laughs> uh, I've heard about it, but, I, you know, but, yeah. Uh, so I don't know if it was a rib. Buddy was playing on Tommy about, you know. But, yeah, he, he goes, here you go. He said, I got a rat out there. She's got some pills for us. And he got, I, got, I think it was a rib, I think. But, yeah, I missed it. But it was like, he stood up and they said he's time shut right. He goes, Buddy, this is effing Tylenol. <laughs> so I must have been a rib. You know, I was like, man, what could, what could I start the week before, you know? Yeah. But, yeah. Uh, you I, I never got, got to share a locker room with Buddy, but Tommy and Doug numerous times. I've never seen Buddy. I shared a locker room with Tommy and Doug. Tommy wants Doug for four times about the night I made I made him mad. <laughs> Did I tell you about that one? Oh yeah. Okay. The tent. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Backdrop. No, please, no, I can't breathe. Backdrop. Give me an elbow or something. I can't breathe. Oh my gosh. And I didn't get blowed up back then. I never got blowed up. Man, 
that was the I think that was probably the hottest I think I've ever been in my life. Man, the air who puts up a tent and lets people smoke in it? Wrestling promoters. Oh my gosh. And I had to work twice that night too. Oh man, I was so blowed up. And he was gonna give me a backdrop. I think I walked into the ropes when he shot me off. That was, and I said I never got blowed up. I never would get blowed up back then. I was under, I was under three hundred pounds back then. At that time, I was probably about two seventy five, two eighty, two eighty five. You were two seventy five, two eighty five, and I never got blowed up. But it was, it, it was so hot in that tent. No airflow, smoke, and just. And I always thought Shelbyville was the hottest place. That tent was the hottest. It was awful. It was so. It. It. I think it was not. It was. Not, it wasn't. It was so hot. It was. You couldn't breathe. Because there was people smoking in it in a tent. You know. Then you're in a ring with lights, and oh, they had the portable lights, and it was. Oh my gosh. But yeah, he didn't care for me on that one. We oh, hey, been... he... go ahead. Yeah, he got me good though. After I, he shot me, I think I mean elbow, and I took a bump, and then the uh, during the finish of smiles and everything, he I, I had done DP and he come in, and he kicked me in the back, right in the middle of like those cowboy boots. Oh my gosh! So like I done got stabbed with a knife and it just that was awful but anyway <laughs> we have been everywhere this episode oh we, yeah we've lost people we, we, <laughs> we, the three we, people we had then long gone <laughs> we, we started in houston uh and at some point we went through lewisburg and fayetteville tennessee and then we <laughs> ended up in a tent in nashville at the stockyard which was a world famous stock, uh, steakhouse Nashville, we're all when WF would come, WCW, the boys would go and drink there afterwards. Bert Prentice ran their parking lot in a tent in 97 for NAW. So, hey, we go everywhere. <laughs> oh, uh, we have... Where are we going next week? So before we get out of here, where are we going next week? Or do you want to be a surprise? No, next week. Uh, so, I don't know the town this was in. Okay, that's fine. Uh, it's, it's not listed in the description. But next week, we're going to the year 1990, so that's a little new for us. Um, WCW main event, January 7th, 1990. Lance Russell on the call. Ric Flair versus Bobby Eaton. Wow. Is it uh, from a clash, or is it a, just a um, Saturday night, or? Uh, so I'm try trying to see from the video itself. Um, and I'm thinking, because didn't they have a show called The Main Event? Yeah, it was on, come on Sunday nights. Come on Sunday nights on uh, on TBS, and I think after they stopped showing it, on, and I think it went out like a worldwide, and what was that other one we talked about? Or the, the Robin Ring? The Pro. Pro, I think it, it became one of those shows, I, you know. Yeah, so I, I believe this is just the main event from WWE's okay. main event. Because um, I know they had a handful of matches. Uh, and I doubted the Clash would be on here. 
because WWE's going to try to have that as much as they can. Um, but yeah, yeah that, that's what we got for n- next week is one of the okay. uh, few matches between Bobby and Flair. So it's okay. Bob- Bobby as a baby face. Um, I don't know. I don't see Stan by ring size. So Stan may be gone already. Eh, 90. 90? They, it's around that time period, didn't they? Late, didn't Cornette and Stan leave around 90 ish? So that's the reason or I least Stan left because Cornette is ringside. Okay, so okay, Stan must have because didn't Cornette stay and do commentary for a while and just do commentary before he left when he just doing commentary only there at the very end? Uh, he may have been. It's weird though, they're, yeah. they're baby faces in this match. Oh, when did they turn them the dude? I mean, uh, when they turned on the dudes, they were still baby faces. Yeah. So was it still, were they still baby faces before they turned on the dudes? So Stan was still there. He just might not have been there. Well, was no, this the, one Stan? The, the dudes were supposed to be the baby faces and just didn't get over. Oh, I know that, but I'm just saying though, but then they turned heel on them and got a bigger pop. But remember, I don't know if you heard that the Cornet talked about. There was a time period where Stan was missed for a couple of weeks because he was hiding out. Oh, in uh, Florida, yeah. For child support. Yeah, he thought he was getting going to get busted for child support or whatever. I wonder if it was there in that time period. I bet it was. It, I bet it may it was. have been, but they're, they're going out there, and obvi- obviously they're giving her. You know what I mean? They're just doing everything okay, son. Because Stan was still there when they were baby faces. I said they turned heel, you know. Well, and still there. So Bobby's baby face for this match. So that's probably was. It's probably before they turned on um, the dudes. This is probably before that. Then, okay. Well, hey, Flair versus Eaton. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> that's all you got to say about that. Um, and and also real quick, we need to say next week's show will be a little delayed. Uh, we're both yep. doing some traveling this next week. Yep, I'm going on vacation for my ten year anniversary. Do you know tomorrow? Which is will be the nineteenth, ten year my ten year wedding wedding anniversary. So uh, somebody's been been ten years. Actually, yeah. <laughs> no, normally, normally I say no, but yeah, no, it, it, it makes perfect it's, sense. It's been a while. Yeah, the fastest wedding in history. Yep, the forty five second wedding. Hey, I'm trying. Hey. I, I, I want to beat it for mine. I don't see that happening. I don't either. Hey. I just want to get to the reception. Hey, there you go. All right. Well, we went way over and way beyond the limits of wherever we're doing here. But anyway, um, definitely stick a fork in her. She's done. For Jeremiah Plunkett, hey, that's me. Thanks for listening. God bless. Bye-bye, everybody.